In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Let us kneel. Almighty and ever-living God, we thank Thee for the magnificent treasures of the Nativity of our Savior Jesus Christ. We praise and thank Thee for the mysteries of the Epiphany. On this most holy day, a star led the wise men to the manger. Christ willed to be baptized by John in the Jordan for our salvation, and water was turned into wine at the marriage feast in Cana. Alleluia. Christ has appeared to us. Come, let us adore Him. When the three holy kings saw the star, they said to each other, This is the sign of the great King. Let us go and search for Him and offer Him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And all the kings of the earth shall adore Him. All nations shall serve Him. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. O most loving Jesus, O dearest infant God, how grieved am I that I have offended Thee, that I have made Thee weep in the stable of Bethlehem. But since Thou art come to seek me, I throw myself at thy feet, and although I behold thee afflicted and humbled, lying upon straw in the manger, I acknowledge thee for my supreme King and Sovereign. I feel that thy tender infant cries invite me to love thee and demand my heart. Behold it, my Jesus, I present it today at thy feet. Change it and inflame it. I feel as if I hear thee say to me in thy manger, Love the Lord thy God with thy whole heart. What shall I offer thee? I offer thee my heart, filthy and poor as it is. Do thou accept it, change it, and inflame it. Give me the gold of thy holy love. Give me incense, the spirit of holy prayer. Give me myrrh, the desire and strength to mortify myself in everything that displeases thee. I am resolved to obey and to love thee. But thou knowest my weakness. O give me the grace to be faithful to thee. Today is the second Sunday after Epiphany. And today's Holy Gospel from St. John chapter 2, tells us that Jesus manifested His glory. This precisely is what the Christmas and Epiphany season is about. Our Savior Jesus Christ manifesting His glory. And what this means specifically is that He manifests the truth about Himself. He is manifesting that He is the Savior of mankind. That He comes to suffer and die for love of us, to save us. That He is our Lord, God, and King. And so, when Jesus manifests His glory... He manifests the splendor of His divinity. 
He also radiates light everywhere. We have three great epiphanies that make up the Feast of the Epiphany. Three great manifestations of Jesus' glory. Where again, He's revealing who He is. The first one is with the adoration of the Magi. And there, the glory of Jesus. We can also say His divinity. The glory of Jesus is manifested to the Gentiles, to all of the pagans. So, a great epiphany, a great revelation. The divinity of Jesus is revealed to the Gentiles. The second one is the feast of the baptism of the Lord in the Jordan River. That was yesterday's feast. The end of the octave of the epiphany. And in his baptism, Jesus once again manifests his glory. He manifests his divinity now specifically for the Jews. And in the third great epiphany, this third great epiphany is the one that we hear in today's gospel. John chapter 2 for the second Sunday after the epiphany. The third great epiphany is Jesus' first miracle at the wedding at Cana. And again, He manifests His glory. He reveals His divinity. He shows that He's God because He changes water into wine. And here He manifests His glory to His disciples. The Gospel today tells us that His disciples believed in Him. Let us keep this very much in mind during this Christmas season, this third great epiphany. Because in many ways it's specific for us. Because we too are disciples of the Lord. We believe in Him. But we're being called to believe in Him in an even more profound way. Where because of our belief that we will do our utmost to love the Lord, to serve Him, to suffer for Him, to live our lives for Him, to die for Him, all because we believe in Him. And it's the way that we are doing our very best to also adore Him and to love Him to be faithful to Him and to follow Him. I want to point out to you this morning one other great epiphany of our Lord where Jesus again manifests His glory and He's revealing who He is. And in this epiphany, it's an epiphany that we've been hearing about now for the entire week. The Holy Gospel that we heard last Sunday for the Feast of the Holy Family, it was taken from Luke chapter 2. This is the same Gospel that we've been hearing every single day this past week. So it's day after day after day, we have been presented with a very marvelous image of the Divine Child. Well, He's revealing Himself to us so that we may believe in Him. And what epiphany is this? It's the child Jesus, 12 years old, 
teaching in the temple. He's teaching in the temple the different doctors of the law. They're all astounded by his words and by his wisdom. What does this mean for us? It means for us that our Savior Jesus Christ who is born in Bethlehem, that one of His great revelations, one of His great manifestations is as the one who is teaching us the truth and the one who is guiding us with His light. This is also why the three kings are such an important example for us during Christmas and Epiphany. And let us never forget, the three kings didn't just appear out of nowhere. It is the divine child who gives us, with his birth, he gives us the marvelous example of the three kings. He is the one who enlightens them. He enlightens them interiorly. He enlightens their soul with His grace. He also provides for them that brilliant light in the exterior, the star that guides them to Him. He's the one who really gives them everything. They're able to offer Him gifts of gold, frankincense and myrrh because everything they have, He's given it to them. It is the divine child that draws the three kings to Him. And again, here the three kings are an excellent example for us in many ways, but also they're an example for us of our entire life, which is a pilgrimage. We are pilgrims, we're walking on this earth, and we're supposed to be headed to heaven, being guided by the light that our Savior Jesus Christ gives us. And that light is the faith, Catholic doctrine. And that's where the three kings are also a marvelous example for us of how we are to also be supremely faithful and we and pay close attention because we have to be ready to sacrifice whatever it is in our lives in order to be faithful to the light that leads us to Christ and that leads us to heaven. We have to be faithful to Catholic doctrine even when we have to make sacrifices. Even if we have to sacrifice friendships. Even if we have to sacrifice relationships. Even if we have to sacrifice material things. Today it seems that there are many within the church, many within the hierarchy of the church, I would say, bishops, priests. seems like there are many within the church that they're unwilling to be faithful to the light of Catholic doctrine, the light of Christ, because they're holding on too much to material things and material benefits. What is the example of the three kings? It really is, it's a marvelous and a radical example of leaving everything behind, of sacrificing whatever's necessary, because they put their faith and their trust in the light that comes from God. 
Eight days ago on the Feast of the Epiphany, January the 6th, 2024, Francis said the following in his homily for the Feast of the Epiphany. And pay close attention to his words because most likely he was saying this in reference to those faithful Catholics who have been highly critical of his very clear deviations from Catholic doctrine. So this is what he said. And again, most likely criticizing his critics. He said that our focus must be on, quote, the Lord, not our own ideas or our own projects, close quote. And he spoke of the need, quote, to abandon ecclesial ideologies. Close quote. Sort of giving to understand that, oh, there are these little groups of supposedly faithful Catholics and what they really need to do is focus on the Lord and abandon their ecclesial ideologies and not focus on their own ideas and their own projects. Well, it's... um. I couldn't think of a better example of the pot calling the kettle black. I mean, if there is anyone who is promoting his own ideas and his own projects and his own ecclesial ideologies and not focusing on the light that comes from Christ, the light of Catholic doctrine, it's Francis. That's what he's been doing his entire pontificate. That's what's caused so much destruction. That rather than transmitting faithfully, and again, the more profound thing here is believing in Christ. Believing that the light comes from Him, not from me. Rather than believing profoundly in Christ and transmitting faithfully the light of Christ, so that all peoples can come to believe in Him and can get to heaven. What Francis has been doing is he's been going around promoting his own ideas, promoting his own projects, promoting his own interpretations of of the faith, and certainly promoting his own ecclesial ideologies. The reason why I mention this also today is because this is always a great temptation to all of us. It's always a great temptation to believe in Jesus as we see fit. And what that means is that we begin to then mix in our own ideas, our own projects, our own interpretations. And this is why at Christmas, this is why it's so important for us who are disciples of the Lord, for us to truly believe in Him. And to recognize that He is teaching us the truth. That's why I mentioned to you also today that great epiphany of the Divine Child teaching in the Temple. He is the source of truth. He is the light. I don't invent my own truth. I don't teach my own truth. It doesn't matter who I am whether I'm a priest or whether I'm the Pope. We're not here teaching our own truth and teaching our own ideas and projects and our own ideologies. 
It's a question of believing in Jesus Christ, the Son of God, and in being faithful to the light that He gives us. Again, the light of church doctrine. I want to encourage all of you, especially those that have families. I mean, this is relevant to last Sunday's Feast of the Holy Family. Especially those of you that are married. So often what also happens in our marriages is that we live out our marriage based again on our own ideas, our own preferences, our own projects. It's not up to you to decide what it means to be a father and what it means to be a husband and how to live that out on a daily basis. It's not up to you to decide, this is how I want to be a wife, this is what I, how I want to be a mother, these are the projects that I want to do. It's so important that as fathers and mothers and husbands and wives that we turn to the child Jesus, He is the one who teaches us the truth, and that you pray for that grace to truly believe in Him and to believe in the example that He has given us, especially in Joseph and in the Blessed Virgin Mary. But to believe in Him and to believe in the teachings of the church when it comes to how to live my marriage, how to be a good husband, how to be a good father, how to be a good mother, how to be a good wife. We need to apply it to ourselves because there are so many that rather than being faithful to the light that comes from above, and that's a great teaching of the star of the epiphany, The light of Christ does not come from us. It doesn't come from the Pope. It comes from Christ. Pope, bishop, priests are to transmit that light faithfully. We have to do our best also to believe in this light. To know that the divine child... He is the one who is in the midst of the doctors teaching the truth, radiating light. I'm going to read to you a letter that was written by one of the world's bishops. I won't read it entirely. I'll read most of it to you. But it's quite a good letter where the bishop, his name is Monsignor Rafael Escudero Lopez Brea. And he is the bishop prelate of Moyobamba in Peru, so South America. He wrote this letter to the faithful of his diocese on January the 2nd, 2024. And he wrote it in response to the really grotesque document that has come out of the Dicastery for the Doctrine of the Faith with the approval of Francis that is allowing for blessings of different couples that are living in public sin and in very grave sin and even in unnatural vice. But listen carefully to what the good bishop wrote. In particular, there's one point that I think is a highlight where towards the end of the letter, he recalls the promise that he made when he was ordained as a bishop. And basically that promise is he's saying, I promised to transmit faithfully. I mean, I'm paraphrasing, but... I promise to transmit faithfully the light that comes from above, that comes to us from Christ and the apostles. 
And that's why he is pointing out how what is coming, what has come from Rome is completely contrary to Catholic teaching. It's completely contrary to the light of Christ that has been shining in the heavens ever since he was born in Bethlehem. I mean, truly grotesque to see how in an official way now there are so many within the Catholic Church that are going completely contrary to that. This is then what the Bishop of Moyobamba writes. Dear priests, consecrated religious and lay faithful, grace and peace for the nativity of the Lord. Faced with the unprecedented bewilderment provoked by the declaration fiducia supplicans in the clergy and many faithful of this prelature and in so many places in the Catholic world, I have taken a few days of prayer and reflection to respond calmly and serenely. The declaration allows, quote, the possibility of blessing couples in irregular situations and same-sex couples, close quote, and in a very confusing way insists that such blessings are done, quote, without officially validating their status or changing in any way the church's perennial teaching on marriage, close quote, making it clear that marriage is a stable union of male and female blessed by the sacrament. This document damages the communion of the church. That's an understatement. But anyway, this document damages the communion of the church. For such blessings directly and seriously contradict divine revelation and the uninterrupted doctrine and practice of the Catholic Church, including the recent magisterium of Pope Francis which is why there are no citations in the entire declaration that rely on the previous magisterium. In its 2021 responsum, the Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith, again, this is just a couple years ago, in its 2021 responsum, the Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith, with the Holy Father's rubric, told us that, quote, the church does not have, nor can she have, the power to bless same-sex unions. Close quote. Blessing couples in an irregular situation and same-sex couples is a grave abuse of the most holy name of God, which is invoked over an objectively sinful union of fornication, adultery, or even worse, homosexual activity. Moreover, in the latter case, it must be emphasized that, quote, and he's quoting the Catechism of the Catholic Church, it must be emphasized that, quote, homosexual acts are disordered and above all contrary to the natural law, close quote. God never blesses sin. God does not contradict himself. God does not lie to us. God, who always loves the sinner unconditionally, for this very reason, seeks his repentance, his conversion, and his life. God desires good for all of us. The present declaration distinguishes between liturgical blessings and pastoral blessings and allows us to bless couples, but not unions, with 
pastoral blessings. This distinction leaves us perplexed and confused. For the act of blessing, whether performed in a liturgical assembly or in private, imparted by a minister is still a blessing of the same nature. To bless a couple is to bless the union that exists between them. There is no logical, real way to separate one thing from the other. Why else would they ask for a blessing together and not two separately? The underlying problem is much more serious and it is that not a few brothers in the episcopate and priests contravening the objective morality of sacred scripture and sacred tradition have long been confusing the people of God with the indiscriminate blessing of these objectively disordered and therefore sinful unions incurring in horrendous sacrilege. Given the lack of clarity of the document, we must follow the uninterrupted praxis of the church to date, which is to bless every person who asks for a blessing and not same-sex couples or those in an irregular situation. We will avoid all scandal, confusion, inducement to sin, and at the same time we will continue to show the mercy that the church has always shown to every sinner who approaches her. Above all, offering him conversion, forgiveness, the life of grace and eternal life. The church blesses sinners, but never their sin or their sinful relationship. Our pastoral charity towards those in sinful situations obliges us to call them to conversion. Every sincerely repentant sinner with the first intention to stop sinning and to put an end to their public sinful situation, can receive a blessing and even better, sacramental absolution and holy communion. Dear priests and lay faithful, let us not minimize the destructive and short-range consequences resulting from this effort made by some church hierarchs to legitimize such blessings. In some cases with good intentions and in others, as not a few have been manifesting with the intention of destroying the sacred deposit of the church's tradition. On the day of my episcopal ordination, I solemnly swore to, quote, preserve the deposit of faith in purity and integrity in accordance with the tradition always and everywhere observed in the church since the time of the apostles. Close quote. Therefore, I admonish the priests of the prelature of Moyobamba not to perform any form of blessing of couples in an irregular situation or same-sex couples. Since God does not want the death of the sinner, but his conversion to eternal life, I cordially and paternally recommend and exhort those persons who feel attraction towards the same sex or live in homosexual or irregular union to approach Christ through prayer, listening to the word, fasting, penance, and the help of the Virgin Mary with a view to their conversion and to take advantage of the opportunity of conversion that God offers them for a happier life and the attainment of eternal life.
In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.